Get your Bibles open to Second Peter chapter two, and keep them open there. <clears throat> we'll be we'll be going to a couple of verses shortly. Thank you for praying today and standing with us on the day of prayer and fasting. I know many couldn't stay, but uh, you can pray and fast without being here. And we know the benefit of the prayers of God's people in these days. Set your mind now upon the Word of God and what the Lord wants to say to us uh, tonight. One of the most bizarre and shocking and frightening things about these latter days and times in which we live is the fact that four of the apostles all tell us that men and women will be abroad in the last days in the towns and the cities and the streets and in the churches and they'll be no better than animals. Beasts. They're called by some evil beasts and they're called by Peter and Jude as brute beasts in these last days. That's all preparing and paving the way for the beast that's about to appear when the church goes. The spirit of Antichrist is at work big time and many don't see it and many don't care. But the Antichrist is going to be revealed. He's alive and well at this moment. You better believe that. And all this that's going on at the moment, all this control and other things, and they'll probably put me in the telegraph again for saying that, but all these things are all workings of satanic powers right across our world for the end times. And men will be likened and are likened to here in the word of God as evil beasts and brute beasts. In these last days, there's an infestation of demonic authority and demonic power let loose. And the more we go on, the more unrestrained it becomes. And when satanic powers and demonic, merciless, pitiless, relentless, satanic evil forces take hold of a man or woman, anything can happen. Whenever our Lord Jesus came the first time, every demon in hell faced him. And when he's coming the second time, every demon in hell will be about their business. You believe that. And you have to believe it because the word, the word teaches it. And when the demonic powers enters into boys and girls and men and women, I tell you, my friend, we only have to go to the scriptures to find out what happens. You look at the man from Gedara and the lad that the father of the disciples couldn't contain, breathing out, foaming at the mouth, throwing himself into the rivers and fires. Demonic powers are at large. It's very sad that the church is ignorant of these uh, hellish forces. It's very, very, very sad that the evangelical church don't want to uh, even 
Some of them even know about the infiltration of demonic spirits that are at work in the power of the air in these days. Never before have we been in a time like this. The time now, my friend, for the evangelical remnant of God's people is to fight. And if ever we needed to fight, we need to fight against the powers of hell and darkness to save our children, to save our land, and to save our churches. Remember Paul says that he fought with beasts at Ephesus. And he wasn't talking about natural beasts, he was talking about men. He says, I fought with beasts at Ephesus. And we'll be fighting with beasts, for the beasts, I'll tell you, I'll show you tonight where they are. Paul faced the shrine of the goddess Diana and all its evil, wicked spirits that were involved in that place in Ephesus. He faced Alexander the coppersmith and Demetrius the silversmith and men that told lies and hammered at him. In verse 16 of that, Acts 19, it says this, And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on and beat seven sons of Sceva, stripping them naked and wounding them and sending one man with demons in him wounded and stripped seven men. And I don't know what else went on in that scene. Paul says, Three years, night and day, I wept and went from door to door weeping and praying and fasting for the people. And then God broke through in Ephesus. And we're praying for a breakthrough from God in our land. God broke through in Ephesus. And it says that many believed and confessed. Uh, when others, when they showed their deeds, I love that we face, when they showed their deeds, when they began to show God that they were that what they meant that they were real, and they went out and they burnt 50,000 pieces of silver worth of books and trumpery that they had in the house would be hundreds of thousands a day. They had a bonfire, and the some of our homes would need a bonfire. And the some of our churches would need a bonfire. And would need a whole lot of stuff burnt up and cast away. Because I'll tell you, unless there's certain stuff removed, there'll be no revival. And revival broke through in Ephesus. And the mighty power of God came down and we're praying that it will come here. Even in the midst, and I believe and we believe, some of us here, that he's going to deliver us not only in the rapture, but he's going to deliver us in revival. I concluded last week with telling you how men and women descended and digressed into the place where there were beasts and brutal beasts. Now, don't miss that word now. We're, we're dealing with what the Scriptures tells us. We're dealing, we're dealing with what the Word of God tells us, that they're brute beasts, Peter says, and Jude says, in the last days of this time. And we concluded last week with how these people, uh, the more they imbibe false doctrines, uh, the more they turned away from the truth of God's word, uh, and they entered into wicked practices like they did in Sodom and Gomorrah and in the days of Noah, because these are the same days. We saw also last week, as we included, that Paul says their conscience 
will be seared with a, with a hot iron. That word seared is cauterized. The, the nerve ends dulled, the nerve ends uh, with no life in them, the nerve ends with no feeling in them. They, they do that to burn off cancerous growths on the body. They cauterize it with a flame, with fire to stop it. Well, their conscience is seared. And when you get men and women and they have no conscience, my friend, anything, anything can happen. You see, an animal has no conscience. They have no sin accountability. They're not made like that. They eat, they sleep, they breed and they die. But man has a soul. Man has a, a conscience Man has eternity in his heart. And the Bible says so much about consciences. And you have a conscience, and I have a conscience. And you know when it strikes in. We're not talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about your conscience. When it strikes. The Bible talks about evil conscience, weak conscience, wounded conscience, defiled conscience, good conscience, pure conscience, porch conscience. And conscience, Paul says, void of offense and seared conscience as we have from Peter. What other explanation can you give me tonight for some of the things that are going on in our land and in our nation? What other, ex- what other explanation can you give me tonight or a young man brought up in a godly home with a godly mother and a father, taught the word of God, brought to Sunday school, knew all about salvation, knew as much of the Bible as some of you know. Can you tell me why that man gets possessed with the demons and devils that he strangles people? Can you, can, can you tell me tonight why there not so long ago we read about a 17 or 18-year-old boy, t- boy taking another boy and torturing him until he died. And whenever the police came and got him, they said, if you, and they cut him up, and they said, if you wouldn't have come, we were going to eat him. Where does that come from? Hmm? You saw the news during the week about the six-year-old Headlines in every news with a stepfather and, and, and mother tortured him, made him stand six year old, 14 hours at a time, and cut bits out of him. And tortured him. And he cried out and said, nobody loves me. My friend, if that doesn't touch our heart and touch our souls, and the whole country can, can rise up and Boris Johnson says, there'll not be a... There'll not be a, a stone unturned till we get them. I would say to Mr. Johnson, what about the 10 million children? What about the 10 million children from 1967 that have been aborted from the mother's womb? Murdered. Every three minutes a child has been aborted in Britain. And some of them hacked out of the womb. Some of them cut. They have to pull them. They say that whenever they put the forceps in, they get the feet, they pull back. They feel the pain. And they can't get the head out. They have to cut the head off a living child. What hypocrites they are. And this is the day that we are living in. And I'll tell you this. There'll be a day of accountability for every one of them. 
You think of all those children ordained of God, those children that God had something for in life. Every one of them called before the hills and order stood, predestinated. How many Wesleys and Whitfields and Spurgeons have they killed? There's a day of accountability coming. Let me tell you. And it's going to get worse and it's going to get worse and worse. There are beasts and there are brute beasts that would do that with children. And now they're putting zones up around these incinerating places in England. And here too they'll do it here. That you can't protest within 300 yards or something of them. They want to keep their murder and quiet. And the church is asleep. While the children die. And they have no voice of their own. The voice of the innocents. And thank you men and women who stand against these abortions and parade. You get out. I'm not able to get you out. And preach against it and pray against it. Because it's demonic powers in the last day that's been let loose upon the children. God, the devil always hated the children and he still hates them today. He always goes for the child. Slay the babe! Slay the babe! Was the first command of Herod. Slay the babe! Now, Last week we concentrated on this chapter and a couple of verses of chapter 2. I'm going to do the same tonight and just taking a couple of things. I'll, not, I'll finish the chapter tonight. There's so much more we could say in it. I'll not be coming back. But I'm coming back to chapter 3, God willing, in the new year. And I'm going to do chapter 3. Was this the most awesome chapter in the Bible? And the most powerful chapter about the end of the age and the burning up of the planet and all that's going to happen. But tonight I want to lift out a couple of very simple things that God spoke to my heart to. And I want you to glance at verse 12. This verse 12. Peter says, But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. Now here's the phrase, first of all, we're after tonight. Speak evil of the things that they understand not. I want you to just watch that phrase. They think evil, they speak evil of the things that they understand not. And I've written over that phrase, No sense. No sense. You see, it's only a fool would speak about things that he doesn't understand. And this word understand here is the word ignorant. It's only used a couple of times in the Bible. And it's only an ignorant fool would talk about things that they don't understand. So there's no sense. Now to keep you with me and to show you what I'm doing, go to the next verse. Because in the next verse there's no shame. And shall receive, verse 13, the reward of unrighteousness, 
as they that counted pleasure to riot in the daytime, that is, they are to be drunken debauchery on the streets during the daytime, and all sorts of sin, not only drunkenness, but all sorts of licentious sins in broad daylight. There's no shame today. No shame. And then if you go down your verses a couple of bit, you'll come down to verse 15 and 16 and you'll read about Balaam and I'm not going to tackle him tonight for I don't know what to make of Balaam. I never could understand whether he was saved or whether he was lost. He's speaking to God one minute and he's with the devil's crowd another minute and he's up and down. He's led a whole lot of Christians. You wouldn't know where they are. Tell you they're Christians. I'll not preach on Balaam till I understand him. But I know from the scriptures here he was greedy and he's brought in here at the last time because he's greedy. Look at, look at him, forsaking the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of... He loved the wages of righteousness. No scruples, but I'm going to leave that tonight for I wouldn't have time and anyway, I don't know how to handle him as I've already said. So let's go back to our first point tonight. No sense... No sense. They understood not. They didn't have any clue in what they were talking about. They were completely ignorant of logic. Now, it would be bad enough if they were saying something good and they didn't know what they were talking about, but it's nothing good. It's speaking evil of things that they understand not. I had a text there some months ago from a boy no, I have him on my phone he's under A he's under anonymous he said don't you come round my door ever again putting tracks in for I don't believe in God and I want nothing to do with you, you are it I don't know where he was from I don't know where he was talking for a while from I put tracks to your door but must have got one of their names He says, I wouldn't believe in a God like you believe in that would kill children. And I text him back and said, God loves you. Christ died for you and give him the gospel. And then he come back again. What sort of a God that two she bears come out of a wood and maul a whole crowd of young children? He says, I, boy, you know something about the Bible. So I text him back and says, you didn't, you said you didn't. Anyway, those were not young children. It says young children, but they were adults, according to the word of God. And I put him right on what he was saying. But then I said to him, I said, I thought you didn't believe in God. But you're telling me now you believe that he's in control of the animals. Boys, he went mad then altogether. Talking about things they understand not. Sure, only a fool would talk like that. Well, I'll tell you two things. They're either foolish or devilish or both. Now, I want you to take on what I'm going to say this morning. Don't be too quick. Don't be too sharp to such criticize such people as these. For if you examine your own heart, and I have examined my heart, mind you, I'm guilty at times too. Have you never made a foolish statement in ignorance and misunderstanding in relation to the things of God? Maybe when you had a bad day, 
Maybe when things were going, going not so good. Maybe when the child was sick and the husband was dying and the, and the job was gone and everything seemed to turn against you. Did you not ever make foolish statements? Well, I was thinking during the week of Gideon. Boy, Gideon and his father were hiding out in the mountains from the Amalekites. They ravished their, they raped their women, they ravished their crops, and they had relegated the whole of Israel into dens and caves. And the father and Gideon was hiding in a cave on the mountain, and they were threshing out wheat on a, on a wine press. The wine press was for the wine. It was for the grapes, but there was no grapes. There was no wine. There was no joy. There was death. And they were shricking out a wee bit of wheat on the wine press to get a living, to get star, in case they would starve. And then the Lord appeared. The Lord appeared. And you remember the Lord had a conversation with him. And he says, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And he's turned around like a flash. How could the Lord be with us? Are you ever like that? How could the Lord be with us? You told us, and this is what he said, you told us that you, you delivered your people. Yes, you delivered your people to Israel. You brought them out. And the Red Sea and the wine and the manna and all the You give them all the said that you delivered us, but you haven't delivered us. You didn't keep your word. You ever done that? Well, let me say, you might have to, you might do it. Because when you get into the right corner and the whole... A heavy hand comes upon you. You don't know what you'll do. And God so gently dealt with Gideon. So gently dealt with this man. And the word was, if the Lord be with us, why is this all befallen us? Where's all the miracles you've done for us? Have you ever said, Lord, why is this happening to me? Why is my child not like other children? Why am I sick all the time? Why is my wife dying with cancer? And those evil and wicked men out there seem to be prospering every day. And I can't get a living hardly. You ever talk like that? Well, my friend, if you talk like that, it's ignorant talk and it's foolish talk and it can be devilish talk. Because you have to come back to the word. Gideon had to come back to the word. You see a bruised reed, he shall not break, and a smoking flax, he shall not quench. And God, no matter what your trial is that you're going through tonight, listen, be careful what you say, but God is with you. And he's working all things out together for your good. Remember the two disciples on down the road to Emmaus on the resurrection day and the Lord's day that turned their back on the house of God. There's a whole lot of people, God's people turned their back on the house of God on the Lord's day. They're stuck in corners somewhere. They're still booming and zooming. Turned their back on the house of God on the Lord's day and they went down the road and they were critical and they were carnal and they were cold and they were depressed and they were distressed. And they were chattering one to another. We thought it would be him. Didn't matter what they thought. Now, my friend, when it comes down, it doesn't matter what you and I think either. We thought that he would deliver Israel, but he's not done it. 
They said that he is risen, but we don't see him. Said he'd rise on the third day, and we didn't see him. And Jesus himself drew near and met with them. Oh, when their eyes were open, what a shock they got. Talking about things that they didn't know. And if they took time to study the scriptures, they would have known rightly. And that's why he opened their understanding and brought them to the Psalms and to the prophets. Don't be talking about things you don't understand. Go to the Word of God. And see what the Word of God says. And the Lord put them right. And the Lord blessed them. Remember James, remember James and... Who was it that went with him? James and John. Remember the Lord said, Go over to the Samaritans and tell, us, tell them that I'm coming and prepare a way in the Samaritan city. And they went over. And the Samaritans were chased them. Get them out of the road. We don't want you here. We don't want him here. And, and, and John came back, the, the prophet of love, John, the, the apostle of love, John came back to him and he says, they don't want us here. Do what Elijah did, Lord. Call fire down from heaven. He says, you don't know what you're talking about. Burn them up, John said. <laughs> he, had a lot of, he had a lot of training to do. Let me give you another illustration before I go on. Remember Job's wife? When Job was as low as he could go. Listen, wife and husband. When the husband or the wife gets down, you get in behind them. Don't rub it into the wounds now. No matter what it is. Because you'll find that they have enough to put up with without you rubbing salt into the wounds. And we all fall, and we all falter. Job didn't. Job was wrongfully dealt with, but he was dealt with by the devil and God was working out in his life. Boils, bankruptcy, bereavement, ten family of a one day. And he's down in the ashes and he's cutting himself in a little bit of a pot. He's full of stinking boils. They say they were stinking, you'd have smelt them yards away. If ever he needed a wife, he needed a wife that day to comfort him. If he ever he needed a friend, he needed a friend that day. Job, I know Job that he said, Job, there was no fault in Job. God said there wasn't. And I'm not I never chastised lots never chastised the wife of Job because she lost seven children. She lost ten family too. Not only him. She's bearing the brunt of his his life and what God's doing. She's has helped me to this hour. And God put on purpose as he put your wife and your husband there at that time for you and this time for you. Curse God, Job, and die. Oh, you foolish woman. She was not only a foolish woman she was a devilish woman because the devil was using her to finish off Job. But God wasn't finished with Job, nor Mrs. Job either. For he gave them back, gave them back far more than never lost. Hold tight in the trial now. Oh, it's all right for you talking. You, you hold tight in that trial that you're in and just hold on now. Don't be saying anything foolish. But anything you understand not. 
Just let God have his way. So Solomon, Proverbs 29 says this, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it to afterwards. Not only have these men and women in these latter days no sense, but we saw they had no shame. Where would I start here? Daytime debauchery. Reveling, partying, drugging, drinking, and broad delight. That was an amazement, you know, at the day of Pentecost. It was an amazement when they said, how could these men be full of new wine? It's only nine o'clock in the morning. I'll tell you, this is no amazement now. Go into any town or street or city any time in the middle of the day and you'll see drunken and you'll see revelers for they don't work and they don't want to work. You'll see men and women half naked bearing the most obscene tattoos, rings in their ears and their noses and their toes and their eyes and in their lips. No modesty. No morals. That's the day we're in. And it's going to get worse and worse. And that the, on down that next verse says, An eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sinning. Their eyes are full of adultery. And that's why the land is full of adultery. And that's why the church is full of adultery. And when you speak about adultery, there's three kinds of adultery. We all get tied up with the physical adultery. Oh, it's an awful thing, and it is an awful thing, and if you're at it, you stop it. You're a married man tonight and a married woman tonight. You're sinning a big time before God. And stay away from the table and stay away from the prayer meeting and stay away from the things of God. But he talks, Jesus talks about mental adultery. I say unto you, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust has committed it in her heart. How does that leave us? Huh? Let's be fair in that tonight. And let's be straight tonight. And can I say you young women and older women and other women need to dress properly and modestly, modestly in the house of God and outside. And you give no man in this church ever of you any reason, any reason at all, to provoke them. The way you walk in, the way you walk out, the way you sit in the church. Take hold of what I'm saying now. Modesty. God help us, you wouldn't know some in some of the meetings, they're no better than the world and the discos. We need to get back to this old truth of God's word, my friend. We need to see these things happening all around us. Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes that I'd look not upon a maid. David says, and he learned the lesson, I will set no thing before my eyes. 
Now you can be watching the news and you can switch over and you can see something and you're switching on. You're not certain it before your eyes. It's coming before your eyes, but it's come too much before your eyes. You walk into a shop and you see something and you pass it by. You're not setting it before your eyes. But let me tell you this. Whenever you take and start to watch and look at these things, you're committing adultery. There needs to be a purging. Deep cleanse. They talk about deep cleansing the church for COVID. We need to deep cleanse it. And I'm talking about my own heart. There's physical adultery and there's mental adultery and there's spiritual adultery. And James tells us because of our spiritual adultery, our prayers are not being answered. Well, here's what he says. Listen to what he says. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Now, what are you saying here? You have other lovers apart from God. what are those other lovers? Well, John tells us, love not the world, not the things that are in the world. You can't serve God and mammon. You made a covenant vow when you got saved. You made a covenant and you made a vow to the Lord. You're his son, you're his daughter, you're his bride. You don't belong to any other man. We're his bride. And whenever we more spend more time at the world and spend more time following the things of the flesh and spend more time following work and getting all this done, we love, we're loving the world and we're loving the righteousness of Balaam, don't we? We're loving it all. We adulteresses and adulterers. You've forsaken me, the true God bought you and died on the cross for you hung naked for you and suffered all the pain and the shame and the blame of Calvary for your sins to make you a child and me a child of God. And now you're hearing, as they said in the Old Testament and the prophets would call them, hearing after other gods. That's why you can't get into the prayer meeting. That's why you're all money and you're all work and you're all ambition. Wish to God some of you young people that are studying for, for doctors and studying for all sorts of things, throw it to one side and get down before God and ask him to show you what he wants you to do. For whenever this revival comes, we're going to need every man, woman, and child saturated in the Word of God. And I would say to you, if I were to go down this congregation tonight and say, there's a fellow in the back here and he wants to know how to come, how many of you could lead him to the Lord? Come on now, and how long are you saved? I was doing a tent mission one time, and there was a boy come under fierce conviction, and I was dealing with somebody else, and he went in into the back, and he said to this man, going in, man looked like me, he thought it was me. And he said to this man, will you, will, will you come back and help me? Will you help me to get there? And the boy hunted the whole place. He was, he was saved 50 years. 60 years he was saved. He hunted the whole place looking for me. Looking for somebody else to get him to lead him to the Lord. Could you lead someone to the Lord tonight?
we'll need to get into the Word and we need to get ready for the revival when it comes. There will be people everywhere looking to know how to get to Christ. They'll be in the hill, they'll be in the barn, and they'll be back here, and they'll be everywhere. And you'll be standing like a gom and not able to help them. See, young people, get into the Word of God. Find out what God wants you to do. Show them what you want to do. No, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're the bride. I died for you, I, I married you, I brought you, but now look at you, look at you now. I'm not very high up on your list now. You have other lovers now. You don't want me now. You don't want me on a Wednesday night, Monday night. You don't want me at the Lord's table. You don't want me. No, no. You don't want to remember me. Now, what's going to come now is shocking. These same people... Conscience so seared, the mind so blind, that the revel, the carouse, the drink, the cup of devils on a Saturday night, and the cup of the Lord's day on Sunday. Look at the end of verse 13. While the feast, now you get that there, while the feast with you. He's talking about the church. And the feast is the very same word used in 1 Corinthians 11 and other scriptures when he's talking about the Lord's table. It's the feast. It's a feast. We, we enjoyed it this morning. I enjoyed it every morning. It was a feast of Jehovah. It was the greatest feast of all when you feast round the dying Christ and all that he has done for us. These boys are out and now women are out on Saturday night and they're out drinking and they're reveling and they're committing the lulter and they're around the Lord's table. These things ought not to be. Now people say to me, I don't go to the Lord's table because I'm not good enough. Boy, I've heard that more times. I wouldn't be clean enough or good enough to go to the Lord's table every Sunday morning. My life's just not right. Well, that's commend way but it's a shame in another way because let me say to you if you're not good enough to come round the Lord's table on a Sunday morning you're not good enough if this is your excuse it may not be your excuse you have other excuses and I appreciate that and I'm not saying about all that go you have other reasons for go you know your own reason for going but if you're not if you my friend if you can't if you say I can't do that because I'm not good enough or I'm not clean enough you're not good enough to stand in this quiet tonight if you say there's sin in your life that keeps you back from the Lord's table whether it's greed or whatever it is you're not capable of a Sunday school class never mind the Lord's table never mind the Lord's table Do you know what you need? The gospel. That's what you some of you need. You need to get saved. Oh, I'm not. Many times I. Oh, I. I couldn't. Oh, I. I wouldn't be good enough. Oh, this old fake humility. I'm not good enough. No, I'm not. I'm just not everything I should be. And 
I know that. What are you doing about it then? If that's what you're saying for years, shame on you. Why are you not ready and why are you not right and why are you not clean and why are you not holy? And why are you not enjoying the prayer meetings? Why do you not want to get work early to get? Huh? Oh, there's something terribly wrong now. Something terribly wrong. No sense, no shame. No springs. Missing out no scruples because of what I said. Look at verse 17. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. That word well is the word fountain or the word springs. There's nothing as dangerous as an empty well. Do you hear that? There's nothing as dangerous or as deceiving. When I was built up on a farm in the age when there was no water from the mains, I had, we had no water from the mains until I was 17 years of age. I was built up on a farm, on a big farm. I was built up on a farm where we dug for wells for water. And only we were beside Loch Erin for water to drink the cattle, but to get spring water, we had to dig. And I seen wells dug and dug and dug where men went down feet after foot after foot and they hit nothing and they left it there. Dangerous thing. Dangerous thing. If it was full of water, you'd have some chance of scraping out of it. Now, I want you to picture in your mind as it flows tonight what this verse is trying to say to us in the last days. I want you to picture a mother and a father and her son, young son and young daughter. There's been a famine in the land. There's a dearth. There's no water. No water. Just like the spiritual dearth over Ulster tonight. And the father and the mother says to the boy and the girl, you take your bucket and you take this vase and you, you, you take this vessel here and, and we're, we're going to look, we think we know where there's a way in. Right? And they trouble the way up. Sometimes these wells are up in mountains. They trouble the way up and they're thirsty and they're, they're tired and they're weary and they see the well. They know it's a well because it's built up around. There's maybe one of those pulley things on it. <clears throat> maybe there's, there's usually seats in those wells where they sat. And, and, and those jars and pictures maybe, and, and they could see it away in the distance. And the hearts are really blessed. I wrote down what they might have been singing here in Psalm, Isaiah 12. With joy shall we draw waters out of the well of salvation. And the wee family's coming to be watered, and the wee family's coming to be fed. And the closer they get, they realize 
This is a fake way. It's a fake way. And as they get up to it and oh, the sea, the stink of it and the smell of it and down into it, there's nothing. Mocked. Mocked. You know, there's some of you people here and there's many of God's people and you go to fake wells every Sunday. Oh, me, me, me great-grandfather, he drew the stones to it. <laughs> oh, I go because he drew the stones to it. Is there any water? The water speaks of the Holy Spirit. Any move of the Holy Spirit about that place you're going to? You're trucking your wee children along every Sunday and you're going and you're marching to it and you're going and there's not one word, no sign of the Savior for the water speaks of the Savior, the water of life. No Savior there. No blood, no cross, no repentance there. Few children, a children's story and a and a couple of hymns, and they beat a drum, and they'll sing a song, and they'll give a wee epilogue on their way home. It's a fake well. It's a well without water. I said, who comes to our church? W, W, W. I'm sick listening to W and W. W, W, W. Come to our church. Well, I have a, I have a name for their church. W, W, W. Wells without water. No water. What is a well for to reduce water? Pat and I was down in, <laughs> we were down in Cork about 25 years ago and we stayed out in the cove. So now we're running the train from the cove into Cork City. Used to call it Queenstown, but they changed the name. It's the Cove of Cork. That's the last place the um, Titanic docked before she lifted the crowd there and sailed right out across to her death across the Atlantic. That was the last place. Hail from Liverpool down to the Cove of Cork. We're in the Cove of Cork. And with a train every hour went into Cork City, and so we said we'll go into we'll go into the Cork to stay in the train. We got into the train, a lot of people in it, and we all sat down and the train's moving along, and this conductor came down and he had this regalia on him. You thought he was a suicide bomber, he had that much stuff on him. And to me, I says, I want two tickets for return tickets for Cork. To tell you the truth, he says, I have no tickets. He says, I depart. what's he doing with all this? I don't know, he has no tickets. What? He says, I have no tickets. Boys, he was the conductor and he looked the whole part and he looked at him. He had no tickets, he had nothing to give us. He says, you can pay on your way back if you want. They wouldn't do it up here, they'd put you in jail. But he had all the parents. He had all the parents. These are wells without water. W, oh, our church. Oh, come to hear our man. Come to hear what? Do you hear anything on the filling of the Holy Spirit? Do you hear anything about the Scripture Word of God? Do you hear anything about Christ? Is there anything for sinners? Or will the sinner have to say, like many have to say, I tried the broken cisterns, Lord. But ah, the water's failed. And as I stooped to drink, they mocked me as I wailed. Oh, sinner, tonight. Listen, there's life in this house for you tonight. Water here for you tonight. The water of life. Come freely. The well's deep tonight. It's deep. 
deep in Jesus. Is any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Are you thirsty tonight? Are you hungry tonight? Are you backslidden tonight? Do you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost tonight? Do you want to be saved tonight? Wherever you are, there's abundance of water. Ho ye that are thirsty, come ye to the waters, and he that has no money, buy and drink and eat without money and without price. Come tonight, sinner, come tonight. Don't go on with the old barrenness and the old drought and the old death any longer. I'm tired and sick of it. You should be tired and sick of it. That's why we can hardly get the people in here on Sunday morning. They want life. They want water. They want food. The same with this cloud. It's the very same thing with the cloud. Let me finish with the cloud. There's a cloud. They see a cloud. I think of that again in the famine situation. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed. Why was it precious seed? Psalm 126. Well, I'll tell you why it was precious seed. It was all the seed that they had. You studied it. They had a bad year the year before. And they didn't get much seed. And they have a few, they have a bit of seed, right? And they take that seed up and they weep. They said, this doesn't work, we're dead. If this doesn't strike, if there doesn't come rain, if the early in the in fail us this year again, we'll die. So the woman, the man goes forth. The seed steeped in tears. And they're sowing it. They've already spent the days hard on the ground and getting it ready. And then they're going out and they're sowing the seed and, and they look up and they see it light. Oh, thank God. Oh, there's a cloud. We're not going to starve. We're not going to starve again this year. And then they look up and they see the cloud. And then they watch the cloud. Oh, praise God, they're thinking to themselves, we're going to have food, we're going to have another year. We're going to feed the family, we're going to be blessed, we're going to be strengthened. Thank God for God. Thank, thank for. And then they see and a gust of wind comes and sweeps it away. There's nothing in it. That's what it says. Nothing in the cloud. It's an empty cloud. It's a fake cloud. A damnable cloud. It's mocked the people. It's mocked the children. It's mocked the wife and it's mocked the father. And it tells us in this very verse what will happen to them. My friend, it tells us without one doubt that to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever and ever and ever. And these men that are false clouds and false wells, let me tell you, there's a damnation for them. Damnation for them. And they'll get no sympathy from me or no support from me or no prayers from me. Damn on children, damn on the people, telling them that all is well. Peace, peace, when there is no peace. They're liars. They're beasts. They're beasts. They're brutal. Brutal, damn on souls. I tell you, if ever we wanted men and women to rise up and stand. We need them in these days. No word, no spirit, no saviour, nothing for the sinners, nothing. Just a bundle of announcements. 
and a wee story. Jeremiah said, do you know what Jeremiah said? And I'm closing now. Do you know what Jeremiah said? He said, we sent the young ones to the wells and they came back with their pictures empty. Jeremiah says, I wept. He says, the tears ran down my face because there were false wells. And he was speaking about the false prophets. He says, I wept. Instead of attending them and supporting them, cut the corn from them, boys. Give them nothing. Cut the corn from every one of them. Give them nothing. Instead of supporting them, we should be weeping over them. And let me close by saying this. I'm looking up tonight. And I see a cloud. It may be the size of a man's hand. But it's not a fake cloud. It's not a deceptive cloud. It's not a mocking cloud. It's not going to sweep away when I want it. You remember Absalom? Absalom was the king's son, you know. The best of all Absalom had. Either had the best mule. And whenever the battle got tied up in the woods and on that mule of the prince, greatest mule and the best they had, you know, as he went under the, the neck caught in the burr of a tree, The old mule ran on. That's what the devil will do with you, sinner. He'll leave you at the point of need. Boy, if only he could get his, got, got his feet down onto the back of the old thing and got jagged out of it. But he was gone. He was gone. Listen, the devil will leave you, young man, at the end of the day, and he'll damn your soul. He'll damn your soul. He'll, when you come to die, when you come to cry, it'll be too late. But I see a cloud tonight. And I've seen it for years, but it's getting bigger. The very reason that I'm here in this place is because I did see a cloud. Spiritual cloud. And I see that it's getting bigger. It's getting bigger. And it's not empty. It's not an empty well and it's not an empty cloud. It's black and getting blacker and getting blacker. It's going to deliver what it's supposed to deliver. And that is the showers and the floods on a thirsty land. Are you thirsty tonight? Are you hungry tonight? Have you been trying cisterns and places where there's no food? Why not come to him tonight? I can see this cloud getting bigger and I can see that it's going to break. It's going to break. I don't know when, but it's going to break. 
Glory to God, it's going to break. And I'll tell you why it's going to break. Because God will not fool us. He will not mock us. He's as good as his word. He's as good as his word. He says, I will pour water on him that is thirsty. I will come down like the dew upon the mown grass. I will do a new thing and now it shall spring forth. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty and hidden things that you know not of. That's what we're doing Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. It's coming. It's coming. There's going to be a lash, the like we've never seen, a fresh, vitalizing, refreshing revival across our land. Let me close with this illustration. Some of you are down tonight. And I'm not surprised. I don't know. You know, if we're in prayer alone, I'm not talking about the prayer meetings here, and I'm not talking even about the family altar. And that's good, and you need a family altar, but are you alone with God? And unless we're alone with God in these days and put time alone with God in these days, we will not survive in our spiritual life. And some of you are down. And some of you are tired. And some of you are weary. And you go on from day to day and week to week. And nothing changes. And nothing happens. It's all right, Bertie and the preacher saying, hold on, hold on. But they're not in my situation. No, I'm not. I have my own situation. And you're down and you're tired. And you just feel like giving in well, I read a story the other day, or I heard it, I can't remember, my memory's not that good, about a man in a well. He dug the well and the dug and dug and dug and went down 40 foot or something. And then the wee terrier dog slip in, down into the well. And you could hear the whimps of them. And there's no way they could get him out. There was no way they could have went down without losing their lives. Clay was brittle. It was deep and it was dark. And you heard the whimpers of the dog. And they tried everything and they didn't know what to do. And in a day or so, the farmer could hear the whimpers getting smaller and then he thought he didn't hear him at all, so he says, I'll bury it and I'll fill it in. So they began to fill in the well, and the wee faithful dog, the man loved, had to fill it in. And all that clay and all that dirt and all went down on top of him. We feel like that sometimes, that everything's on top of us. And they filled it in and filled it in and filled it in. You know what the dog did? Every spade full of one down, he put it under his feet. And he walked out. We're going to walk out someday into life and into power and into the presence of the Lord. There's a way out, you know. Put the devil under your feet. He's under the Lord's feet anyway. He's always was under his feet. 
He's under his feet now, for he's on the throne. God is on the throne, and he's the prince of the power of the air. And when he comes in the person of Antichrist, he'll put him down into the pit. He'll always be under his feet. Always under his feet. He's a defeated foe. He's a liar. He's a mocker. And we're exposing him these nights. And the victory's coming. And I'm saying to Satan and his host tonight, if I'm allowed to say it, you're a liar. God is going to save. He's going to move. And he's going to save your children. And he's going to restore your health. And he's going to do only what God is able to do. Let us pray. Thank you for your patience. God willing, we'll be back in January to do chapter 3. Just let us settle down in the presence of the Lord. And whatever he spoke to you tonight, heed him. So much application tonight in this message that there's something for everybody. Just say, Lord, you did speak to me through that thought and that word. I'm depressed, I'm down, I'm defeated, Lord. Now, dear loving Father, bless thy word. Anything that has been said, Lord, that would be a hindrance or grieving or quenching the Spirit, forgive us, Lord. We know that many will listen to this word. And all our prayer is, Lord, that sinners will be saved, backsliders restored, souls will be blessed, and the church set on fire for God in these end times. We ask these things in the Saviour's name. Amen.